the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Hi, in this episode of the College Planning Edge podcast, you're going to eavesdrop on a webinar that Pearl and I did the eve of the FAFSA release, FAFSA Eve, as we call it, which comes out every year, October 1st, so simple arithmetic, September 30th is when we recorded this. This entire webinar is based on questions that were asked to us in advance the day of the 30th, as well as during the webinar. So it's live, it's unscripted, we did not prepare, and we answered a lot of questions about financial aid and merit aid, uh, how much money is too much if in terms of earnings, um, how to shelter your financial aid, the 529, talked a little bit about the potential changes that are going to be released next year, not this year, which is 2021, and more. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you find value in this webinar. You're bound to have some of the same questions that we fielded on that faithful FAFSA Eve. Good evening. Pearl and Andy Lockwood here, Lockwood College Prep, with our first, at least first of the year, and one of our first ever, unscripted open Q&A. Welcome. Just let us know in the chat that you can see and hear us. Hi, Pearl. Hi, Andy. Hi, everybody. Cut the small talk. So uh, we, we just want to make sure that we're coming in loud and clear without any tech issues. Pearl, are you doing your, your usual, very precise disclaimers or pro tips? Yes. Okay. So let's see. <clears throat> yes. Okay. It looks like Michelle Lippman, uh, Yanka Rondo, Chris, Chris Couch. Hello. Uh, you can hear us and see us. Let us know where you're from. That's always fun for us to hear. So here's the deal. Uh, this is a little bit different presentation. There's no um, there's no slide deck. And I successfully dragged Pearl in, made sure we were color coordinated. <laughs> she did that. By the way, she does that every time. I think it's like do- uh, pets and their owners. They start to look alike. This was there was no planning involved whatsoever, okay. but I you here's, know, here's the truth. Brain osmosis. Oh, blue is the color today. Whatever. Okay. Right. So, like a lot of times when we go out on the weekends, which is not a lot of times, but um, but, but you know, generally speaking, I will get ready first because I take about three minutes, and I'll go downstairs and sit in the chair, the waiting chair, for us for Pearl to dash out, stomping, saying we're late. Um, and then I'd say seven out of ten times, she's wearing like the exact same outfit as I am. Because she's seen, you know, what, I, what I'm wearing, and she tries on like five or six different things. But literally seven out of ten times, if I'm wearing a blue shirt and jeans, blue shirt and jeans. Tonight, she came down here to um, offer her thoughts on her participation tonight. I'll just leave it at that. And I was like, yeah, we're starting soon. She went upstairs, changed, came down, same color. <laughs> okay. 
Yes, I'm sure that's what everyone here has come <laughs> to hear tonight. <laughs> oh, we're, this is supposed to be about financial aid. I'm okay. Sure. Okay. So I was just waiting for people to get on, you know, just to know. Anyway, so I'm uh, Andy Lockwood. This is Pearl Lockwood. Pearl is a financial aid expert. She files 250, 300 or more financial aid applications each year. Fact or fiction? Fact. Um, we are gearing up for the opening of the 22-23 financial aid forms season, which is actually T tomorrow. T minus. <laughs> just yeah, kidding. Six hours. If, if it actually comes Five out hours. at midnight. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're fielding your questions. I have um, roughly 60 or so that were pre-submitted. So I'm going to do my best to get some of them are, are duplicates. So I'm going to do my best to get through those. We have not prepared anything. Pearl and I are working without a safety net. Um, but if you have questions in addition to the ones that were pre-submitted, lob them in the chat here and we will get going. All right. So let's try to do this. Keep this to about an hour. Um, our answers Let's do our best to keep them sound bitey. But some of this stuff is pretty complicated. So um, Pearl's very good at ex explaining things. Just going to state that at the beginning. All right, Pearl. Really building me up there. Pearl, you're very Funny. good at explaining things. Thank you. How is that not building you up? Don't start with me in front of this. This is the first time we're on a webinar together in like a long time. I miss you. <laughs> All right. Here is a question that we got from a few people. I'm going to use... Thomas Snyder, thank you, Thomas, for asking this question. Um, do early or late or once financials are allocated to provide better aid? Meaning, is there a rush to file? We got a few questions like um, along the lines of October 1st is when the financial aid applications come out. Should you rush them in? Meaning, is there an advantage to rushing them in? So go ahead. And if you're joining us, by the way, I suggest you... Um, Enjoy an adult beverage, Pearl. Cheers to you. As... Cheers to you and you and you and you. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Is there a rush? Is there a rush to get out all your financial aid? Well, okay. Here, here are the rules of thumb. Uh, it is always earlier. It is always better to be earlier uh, and or certainly prior to your priority financial aid deadlines. Now, where I where I have found there is often lots of confusion is in uh, the distinction between admissions deadlines, which are one set of deadlines, and depending on how your student child is applying to a school will determine the admissions deadline, early action, early decision, regular decision, depending on the case. Um, and that is entirely distinct from priority financial aid deadlines, which may coincide with the student's application deadline, but often does not. And there's often a panic thinking that, oh, my God, everything, everything has to be in by November 1st, for example. That may or may not be true. Or October 1st. Or October 1st, when it comes out. Or some people have felt that the need to do so already, complete the FAFSA already, which if they've done so prior to midnight tonight or when the 22-23 aid year application comes out on October 1st of 2021, uh, then they would be completing the wrong financial aid application, the wrong year. Essentially, if it was done before today, it would be the financial aid forms for 
this current school year that we're in, which is probably not the one that they're looking for. They're probably looking for next year if they have a rising, if they have a senior now, sorry, in high school. Class Anywho, of 22. Class of 2022. Exactly. So to so, answer the question, yeah, when should you your file? student has a list of schools. Let's say your student has 10, 10 schools on their list. And to the extent that any of those schools are being applied for early action, that will likely have a priority financial aid deadline that is a bit earlier. My personal practice is to file to all schools on the list according to your earliest priority financial aid deadline to ensure that all deadlines are met. And that's not really like a, a something that could, you know, hold back your financial aid. Nobody could hang their hat on saying, well, you weren't on time. So the money's run out. So in order to make sure that you're on time, you have to look up your, your priority financial aid deadlines and adhere to them. Now, often the question comes up, and I don't know if this is in, but it just begs the question. Which form do you file? There's the form. There's Wait. the uh, the That's right. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So so let me just. I have uh, so much to give. Let me, let me summarize. You do, but that's a different question. All right. So. And we have questions I see coming in the chat. Yeah. So you do your best to flag them, and then we'll get to them. So, um, so the forms to, are released tomorrow, October 1st. There is no rush to get them in on that day. If you have what you so so what Pearl was saying is you need to look at your priority financial aid deadlines. If you have and that's going to vary from school to school. So if you have a November first priority financial aid deadline, and you get your FAFSA and CSS profile, you know that could be another form, in on October first or November first, you're not going to get more money or less money depending on when you submitted. As long as you're on or before your priority deadline. The one exception is if you are a super low income family and you're and you're applying for state aid in one of about 16 states in the country then it does help to get your FAFSA in on the early side because states run out of money but in terms of the the colleges themselves they're looking to bribe kids um, who have the best gpas and the best sat or act scores to come and they're gonna find money for them in general there's no rush um, in fact, Pearl's practice uh, over the over the years is to not start filing people who have November one deadlines until roughly October fifteenth or so, right. because there are glitches yes. in the FAFSA frequently. Not every year, but the last few years, I think more often than not, there are problems. So we wait mm -hmm. rather than and, and, and let other people sort of be the take guinea the, pigs. Yeah, take the fall. Um, some of those glitches resulted in. Uh, people's expected family contribution, that's the amount that the government thinks that they can pay, being artificially inflated because retirement accounts or uh, rollovers are treated differently. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Exactly. So wait. Don't don't file now tomorrow. Don't don't rush it in. One such reason, just for example, I don't it, for anyone who is as geeky as I am that that or if there are any accountants out there, you'll notice that the tax return, uh, the federal tax return has changed the actual form that our government uses is has changed this year 2020 i'm sorry the operative base year which is the 2020 tax return the 2020 tax return numbers and line items and what they correspond to in your tax return are different than 2020 2019's tax return 2019's tax return was different than 2018 it's been a couple of years of changing the federal tax return so each year the Department of Education 
needs to internally change its systems yeah. because it has to coordinate differently to a tax return. That in and of itself and what information it pulls through when you're doing the financial aid forms, et cetera, can be a little funky, funky in the very, very, very beginning. It's kind of like going to a hospital with brand new residents July 1st being under the knife. And No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so okay. you get my point. All right. So, um, so that was one question. Uh, <clears throat> we got several questions on the FAFSA changes. Uh, I'm not going to address those other than to say that they don't take place this year. They're slated to take place for next year for 2023 slash 24. So that means kids are graduate 23. Um, there is good reason to believe that that's going to be postponed another year, by the way, because the Department of Ed and a lot of colleges are kind of up in arms. There's a lot for them to change and get trained on and you know prepare for. So I'm, I'm going to table those that discussion for uh, a later later time in the interest of time here. Uh, got a couple questions about um, student loan forgiveness mm -hmm. this is from someone named Joe. Uncle Joe. <laughs> um, and it looks like it's going to happen in some way, shape, or form. But again, that's too early. Uh, it's probably going to be only student loans, not parent loans, right. only the federal loans. I don't, I don't even follow it day to day anymore because it just got too too annoying. Right. Whether it can be done by executive action or Congress has to pass it, I, th I think Congress does not want it done by executive action. So and the only other thing I'll add for right now, the student loan interest rate. Uh, as to all student loans has been suspended on at least through January, 2022. Interest, uh, the interest accrual, yeah. the interest accrual yeah. on the unsubsidized loans. Okay. All right, Stuart, how do we get more merit at more merit aid at a SUNY school? Uh, that is um, pretty hard, if not impossible. Only a few SUNYs give merit aid. I think Albany is one of them. Binghamton is not. So it's very, very hard to do that, but you should always try, but there's no, there's no secrets to it. They just don't, a lot of state schools just don't have the money. That's, that's the, um, that, unfortunately, that's the obstacle. Okay. Question from M. Mm. Mm. What are implications for financial aid for college years through two through four um, if your home that you're currently living in is deeded to college students? So if you give the house to the college student, what happens with financial aid? Probably want to take a crack at that one. Sure. Well, it depends on the school because if the FAFSA, if it is a school that requires only the FAFSA, then the primary residence and the value that one has in their primary residence is not part of the financial aid consideration and financial aid penalty and formula, et cetera, and so forth. If, on the other hand, it is a school that requires both the CSS profile and the FAFSA, the CSS profile will um, impugn a certain amount of penalty that from the equity that you have in your primary residence against you. And as if it is owned by the student against that student, which is an even heftier penalty than that, that is uh, put on the parents. So, so that's very, it's very specific question. Normally I wouldn't ask those, uh, answer those um, or ask Pearl to answer those. But the reason I put it on here is, is for Pearl to, to, to tee it up for Pearl to be able to explain the difference in the financial aid applications which she just did, it doesn't matter um, for, for my comments here, whether it's in the parent's name or not, but your house, your primary residence will count against you for about three or 400 colleges that require the CS, CSS profile application, which is 200 to 300 questions. 
Um, most schools don't take that, but it tends to be the, the ones that do tend to be the colleges that have their own money and they will penalize your primary residence in various degrees. Whereas the colleges that only require the FAFSA, which is the federal form, free application for federal student aid, those are um, uh, exempt. The primary residence is exempt. So whether it's in the parents' name, like 99.9% .9 of people or not, same comments. Okay. Um, question from Thushari. Any tips for merit scholarships? Um, the short tip is that you want to apply to colleges that want you. If you're a child, it's the colleges that are um, rolling out the red carpet to bribe you to come. So not the aspirational schools where you have to beg, borrow, and steal your way to get in. That's the best uh, best tip I can give. If you're in the top 10 to 20% of the cohort that's applying, you can look at last year's statistics, average you know, GPA, uh, median SAT or so, and you're in the top 10 to 25%, I guess, that's, uh, that's you have a good shot. If the school gives merit aid, not every school does. Okay. Um, Michelle, finally the FAFSA for my daughter's second year of college does FAFSA increase when college costs increase? So let me just make a quick comment, then I'm going to turn this over to you. We, we hear a lot of people talk about getting something from FAFSA or something. Um, FAFSA is not an entity that decides money to give or not. It's just a, it's, a, it's an application. The college decides whether to give you money or not. So it's not like the FAFSA will increase or not. That's just a form, it's like a 1040 tax return. So now, um, does your does your award automatically increase? As the college as colleges increase their costs, not really. Unfortunately, the answer is no. But just perhaps what the uh, questioner is really asking when they're saying, Her "What do you Michelle. get?" <laughs> Michelle, wondering what do you get from FAFSA, or what what does the federal government, because that is what the FAFSA form application determines, is your eligibility for federal aid at a particular school. And just, just by distinction, the CSS profile determines your institutional eligibility at a particular school that has institutional aid to give. And that's why they're requiring both forms in that scenario. Um, but unfortunately, no. It, whatever the, the federal guidelines are strict formula, uh, asset and income and a, hundred, a bunch of other factors that go into exactly what determines your number that the FAFSA determines in terms of your federal eligibility. Uh, but if the school itself increases its cost of attendance, unfortunately, that just means it's more expensive. So um, just to add to that, so because um, you you, the question brings up a lot of different facets. That, that's why I chose it to, uh, to, to have Pearl and, and me answer this. Um, <clears throat> for need-based aid, they consider the total cost of attendance less your expected family contribution, and what's left over is your financial need. So the total cost of attendance, will, if that increases, in theory, um, if everything else stays the same, your expected family contribution, which is calculated by filing the FAFSA, then in theory, you'll be eligible for more money. However, in practice, just because you're eligible for, let's say, $40,000 does not mean that every college is going to award you $40,000. So a lot of schools, you know, it's called uh, gapping. They will um, offer you twenty-five, and then you have a gap of fifteen thousand dollars. That is a really important point because a lot yeah. of people are stunned every year. It's not going to be anyone in this uh, session tonight, but a lot of people are stunned every year 
in March or April when they get their financial aid awards and they think they should have gotten so much more money because they were eligible for a lot because they have low income or, or some other reason. But the reality is that some schools are really, really generous and that's only a handful, tiny handful. It tends, to, we got a question about this, it tends to be the oldest, most prestigious schools in the Northeast or other schools scattered throughout the country with uh, large endowments. By the way, I read you this, um, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, don't believe colleges that they're crying about you know, having to cut costs or not having money for financial aid. I think this is going to be a pretty good year for financial aid. Um, there's been a, a spate of articles recently about how college endowments are way up. The biggest colleges with $500 million or more had a median increase, I think, of um, 34% or 39% or something. So many schools are making a ton of money with their investments during coronavirus and all that. Um, that being said, some schools are very generous with aid, some are not. And um, some will increase the award yeah. a little bit, but most will not as the years go on. Lot okay. of moving parts. Yes, that are not reported by guidance counselors or anyone else you talk to. Right. Okay, um, Hugo, <clears throat> is there a legitimate way to reduce the EFC? Wait, are we doing a legitimate webinar? Yes. As two licensed lawyers, yes, dear. Do you have your license on you? Do you have your papers? <laughs> Do you have your COVID papers? It's come to that, has it? <laughs> yeah. How many papers do you have these days? Hmm. Um, a legitimate way to reduce the EFC to, re to receive financial aid if the parent's combined salary is $250,000. Yes. Legitimate way, number one, get fired. <laughs> legitimate way, number two. No. Um, so the, the, the reason I'm answering this question um, in my way and uh, other, there are other questions about income is that there is actually no magic number in the, that's published in the financial aid forum is that if you cross it, it's a ceiling that you won't get any money after that. Uh, we do have clients who do receive need-based aid who, who make more than $250,000. That's usually when they have more than one child in college at the same time. It could be, there could be other extenuating circumstances, but that's, that is currently. I'm resisting the urge. Okay, are we going to um, go there? Well, we have people with twins. We have people with triplets. Yes, yes. And they make 250 300 and they can uh, absolutely qualify for need-based aid yes. at the right schools, which tends to be the private colleges that have the largest endowments. Um, a lot of times there are extenuating circumstances. Even though you made a lot of money on the, uh, on the um, financial aid applications, which are two years behind so that is addressing i just said to wend i hope i pronounced wend or wendy yeah. wend i think let's go wendy 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 um you can let us know um so what happens if your current financial aid i'm sorry your current financial picture is substantially different than the 2020 income tax return okay run don't walk to your nearest Amazon <laughs> friendly mobile device. We will make a dollar seventy-two on uh, if you buy this. It covers all. You don't have to really. It covers all of the um, scenarios for you to be able to appeal an award based on these circumstances. And I don't know if you want to get into more than that. No, but, but I just wanted to touch on when one's financial picture is currently different than the income tax year that we are confounded by in the financial aid application. But we have, we are, we are. So let me ask you some questions. We are, we are tethered let's, to, we must. Let's go use. lightning round, lightning yes. round here. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've got a kid graduating 2022. What tax returns are they looking at? 2020. Okay. 
please, counselor. Um, let's say that I had a really good year in 2020 because you did your job. And in 2021, you rode your Peloton 900 days in a row, which I know is not possible, but just work with me. And, okay. and our income, therefore, plummeted. Um, but my financial aid award is based on 2020. Mm -hmm. What do I do? We would appeal the financial aid award once it came out, which would be in the spring, likely, of 2022. And we would then have to appeal the award based on our what would then be our current financial situation and prove it, essentially, with um, then current income situation, maybe an accountant's letter. That That's where we go back to the book and you can you know basically cherry pick what your scenario is most similar to and kind of take a look at how we've handled it so um so getting back to the but other yes, point the there other is point an opportunity making, to to reconcile that it, so so just just for some uh, basics financially 101 here so if you have someone graduating 2022 they will look at your tax returns from two years prior the government calls it prior prior we call it rigid prior no we don't and uh <clears throat> um if you have someone graduating 23 class what number what year 2021 yes i could tell you're smart um however when it comes to filling out the rest of the financial aid applications the main one is the fafsa the other one is the css profile there could be others required by your colleges um they have a lot of questions about your savings so are they looking at your savings from a particular moment in time pearl lockwood peloton pearl lockwood savings are true as of the day we file so if you have the ability assets are true as of the day. If you have the ability or the wherewithal um, to, or the inclination to shelter your financial aid savings, uh, your savings from financial aid, which you can do legally and ethically, then you can do that at the last minute. It doesn't work for everyone at all, but that is another topic. Perhaps someone will ask me a question about that. Just wanted to say one other thing yes. um, on the CSS profile. So if you are applying to a school that requires the CSS profile and you have a change of financial circumstances and you that would also be a place where you would mention that uh, change of circumstances to give the financial aid committee a heads up as to what your circumstances are. And then, of course, once your financial aid award was actually issued after your student was admitted, that would be the time, that's when it would be ripe to make the appeal of the actual award that's been issued. Because theoretically, if a school offers you a, a free ride, you're not really appealing anything because that works out for you, right? Right and ripe. Right and ripe, yes. exactly. Okay. A few questions about the 529. And um, the basic question, no matter how, the, how, how you slice it, is um, will it or affect eligibility for financial aid? The short answer is for some people, it's not going to matter. For others, it will. It depends on everything else that comprises your financial aid profile, like your income and what schools you're applying to, etc. But disclaimer aside, the 529 does penalize you. It's considered a parent asset. Um, in the financial aid form, it is penalized, but at a much lower benign more benign rate, you will have to disclose the, the funds you you have for all of your kids because it's a parent asset. And there's there's other types of 529s. I'm talking about the most common one. Um, that being said, many 
private colleges, the ones that tend to require the CSS profile, they uh, appear to sometimes treat the 529 as a child asset, which is penalized much more severely. What are you looking at? It's the title of your book. Oh. How to negotiate your crappy financial aid and merit aid <laughs> offer. I thought you kept looking at me like you didn't <laughs> believe like you're you. You're trying to send me a signal instead of kicking, <laughs> kicking me out of the table the way no. you, you normally do. So the 529 can be good, can be bad, can be friend, can be foe, but um, it, it does penalize you. And that's one of the sort of dirty little secrets that they don't tell you about when they're selling you the 529. Uh, it, it will penalize you. Just the, the issue is it may not be that much, um, but it could be. It depends on how much you have in it um, and a few other factors. Okay. So we've already answered a few questions about balances, about both kids, 529s. So thank you, Terry, Diana, Susan, uh, Evie. Okay, Nancy wants to know how do I get more moolah. Uh, I'd say rob a bank. Um, okay. No, Andy. Tokai. Yeah, we should have a disclaimer for everything that comes out of my mouth. Um, Toki or Tokai. Okay, with, with twins child support, do I list 100% total received in 2020 per kid per each kid's application or do, do we split the amount in half? Um, the question will be very specific about how much child support did you receive. The FAFSA will also ask you the number of children in your household and take stuff off your tax returns. It also asks you how many kids are going to college. So it's, it's all taken care of. Um, you will disclose the entire amount. Lawrence, Columbia Awards. That is not a question. Um, maybe you're asking, does Columbia give money? Uh, Columbia, like most Ivy League schools, is very, very generous, and they tend to meet 100% of demonstrated financial need. They require the CSS profile, so they will calculate your need differently than if you just did a FAFSA, much more invasive and complicated to do a CSS profile. Okay. Um, Gary Heller. Hello, Gary. College advisor and attorney Gary Heller asking about the law change. Uh, so we're going to table that discussion. Um, but he's he's asking a question about um, something that is probably the most controversial part of the law of the perspe perspective law change with the FAFSA, which is no longer helping parents who have multiple kids in college at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I really think in my heart of hearts, maybe I'm being naive, that that's not going to go through. I don't think <clears throat> that is going to change when the dust settles either next year or two years from now, and certainly for colleges that require the CSS profile. Right. By the way, mm -hmm. sorry, by the way, before I forget, um, so there's two main financial aid forms, the FAFSA and the CSS profile, and the profile is so much more uh, a pain in the butt to do. Ask her. Um, the FAFSA is going to become a lot more simple and the colleges that currently don't require uh, the CSS profile, we think a lot of them are going to now require a CSS profile because that's why colleges um, that have their own money, they want to make sure that you really need their money. So they require much more disclosures. If the FAFSA gets streamlined a lot more, which is what's supposed to happen in one year, possibly two years, then we think a lot more colleges are going to require the CSS profile. And I also saw that they're coming out with a sort of a streamlined CSS profile for next year. Mm. That's in the works. So oh, it always changes. Changing yeah. it up. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt you. We're trying to interrupt me. What were you trying to say? Uh, next. You interrupted me for that? <laughs> 
Um, okay. Here we go. This is from Boris. Parents are separated. Divorce is in progress. Neither has custody of a student. It's father's income taken into account. Pearl, you want to try to land that plane? Sorry, I didn't hear it. I was okay. answering online. All right, go ahead, you, tell you, me. you continue with that. So, um, so, the, so the quick answer is um, that is another one of these potential changes. So I'm going to talk to you about the rules right now. The custodial parent is the parent that's supposed to fill out the FAFSA. If you're applying to a FAFSA-only school, that's what I'm talking about right now. The, the definition of custodial parent is has nothing to do with your settlement agreement. It has only to do with um, where the kid resides. So if the child resides more than 50% of his time in the last 12 months with mom, she's a custodial parent. Um, if you're applying to a college that requires a CSS profile, then the non-custodial parent information is also included either a little bit or a lot bit because they require what's now called what the non-custodial parent profile. Yeah. So it depends on the which is a mirror image to. of the custodial parents financial. It's basically this, the exact same information is required of the custodial and non-custodial parent at schools that require both. Okay. Question. It from, doesn't, they, the school, those schools will not, um, penalize the non-custodial parents' financial information as much as if it was a married couple uh, because there's an awareness that there are two households to support. However, um, it counts. All right. Luciana, should I file FAFSA if I know we don't qualify for need-based aid? Probably want to take a crack at that one. Well, if you are applying for admission to a school, that is a you know, and a byproduct of, of demonstrating that you don't need any aid could help you in the admissions department because uh, you're a full pay. It'll perhaps. show financial strength. It'll show financial strength and that will help you admissions wise, potentially. Good. And um, you might be wrong. You might, you might qualify. That happens a lot. Right. And things change too. I mean, and right? yes, and uh, often there there are many schools that will require you to file financial aid forms just to trigger the merit aid uh, eligibility. Yep. NYU's one such school, for example. Fordham, I think. Yeah. Another one. Yep. So file just to be safe. All right. Question from Lisa Siglein. Hello, Lisa. Nice to see you. Um, what Northeast school gives the most merit? Yeah, it's, it's, it tends to be the most prestigious. Ivies, yeah. uh, the oldest schools, uh, Little Ivies, those tend to be the most generous. Okay. Um, <laughs> Garcia, what about international students? Her specific question is, what if what if we move to Bermuda? But does international matter? Mm. It doesn't matter if you if you are a U.S. citizen. You still, you can still qualify for all the money, and a lot of there's a lot of money for international students if you were to re renounce. So sorry renounce your citizenship that was scary you could have you could have shut down the whole uh the whole yeah. magilla I yeah know. sorry um okay here we go cynthia can a student with an undocumented parent complete the css profile yes yes absolutely especially especially in today's uh day and age of generosity for uh less fortunate and and uh, undocumented mm -hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Bernadette, will you get busted if you don't list both guardians financial info on the CSS? Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, you could, if you're, 
intentionally excluding something that they're asking you in any case, including your specific one. So we don't recommend it. Certainly not on the air. Um, <laughs> Charissa, how is a sure way to lower the EFC? My kid is extremely average. I'm sure he's very special in many ways. Um, and we do not expect any merit scholarships. So the, the main ways to lower your EFC, again, EFC stands for expected family contribution. And, um, oh, look. <laughs> I, I really have to update this, by the way. But um, this is another book that I just happen to have here, How to Pay Wholesale for College. Um, I would read that. I would also look at... Um, Paying for College by Cal Cheney. He uh, he updates his every year, and it's much more comprehensive. It's more like a textbook as opposed to this. Um, the the main ways is uh, has to do with your savings because that's the easiest. Um, income is the most important component in the financial aid formulas. If you have a good accountant who can, especially if you're self-employed, uh, which you know we specialize in that uh, for our clients, that's a good way. To, uh, to at least look at, to lower your, your income, because that will have a much bigger effect on your expected family contribution. Assets held in the wrong places, like your kids' names or your names, um, those will penalize you anywhere from 5 to 25%, depending on whether it's parents or, or student assets. So you have to have a significant amount of money saved in the wrong places. But um, there, are, there are exempt assets in the financial aid um, system that don't count against you and the ones we see the most frequently are insurance products, cash value, life insurance, and uh, and annuities. But you have to be really careful about all this stuff. This is just a general answer. Recovering attorney disclaimer. Thank you. Pearl, anything to add on that before I zip along here? Nope. Zip away. Okay. Uh, okay. So a lot of questions about how much do I make? I mean, how much is too much or whatever? Um, and merit aid. I answered those before. Um, if the NPC shows full pay i think net price calculator net price calculator nice shows full that to pay full in, in full do i need to check yes for financial aid question on comnap so my child can get federal loan interesting um so so the common application has a box are you interested in applying for need based aid if you check no but still submit your financial aid applications they're either going to ask you did you mean to check no or they're going to see financial strength if you don't qualify. But I don't think you will be able to. Will, well, yes. will they still offer you the loans? Yes. Okay. So um, I would probably the say. The prerequisite to obtaining loans is filing the FAFSA. If yeah. you fail to file the FAFSA, you're not going. And potentially, and you wait so long to then file a FAFSA and try to obtain a loan, you could be potentially too late in, in a particular year to, to try to retroactively get a loan. That you, means you have until June of the following year. Exactly. Right? But yes. Well, I was just going to say, so, but sometimes what colleges will do is they'll cancel. They'll ask you, did you mean to apply for aid? We have your FAFSA. We said no in the common application. And you could, if you say by mistake, oh, no, I didn't mean to. Sometimes they will cancel out your FAFSA. To preserve your ability to get a loan, you're right. You should file the forms. Okay. And I would... I would probably check no on the on the common on the app, common app. Different, unless different. they unless they ask you specifically did you is this a mistake right yeah just make sure that you still want to be considered for loans hope that was clear um, more questions on income we have a lot of questions that 
piled okay. up in our hopper. Okay, okay. let me see the first come first serve, Pearl. <laughs> um, okay, can FAFSA info be transferred into a CSS profile? No. However, <laughs> as long as we've brought that up, well, part you two, part sure two. Would new would nuance different answers between FAFSA and CSS profile create red flags? Yes. Thank you. Is that what you're gonna ask? Right, that is exactly what I was going to say. Make sure that the information that is the same as between the two is the same as between the two. Because if it's not, obviously, as the questioner properly asked yep. or stated. Uh, that would give rise to red flags, um, and even, but but then it just and then it just creates more scrutiny, etc., and so forth, which you know is unwanted, often. I like the attention personally, but you may not, especially if it results in less money. Right, um, Janine, how difficult is FAFSA to fill out? That is a loaded question. I'm going to say, because I don't fill them out, it's actually pretty easy. However. What goes behind your answers? <laughs> well, so. it's, it's understanding, um, and and, it, and particularly if your school requires more than just the FAFSA, so right. it can be very easy, but it might be deceptively easy. Right, and he, here's here's what can happen: you can provide answers that don't make sense. Let's say that don't um, make mathematical sense in terms of what's been reported in your tax return, something you've said in your FAFSA that then will have an experienced financial aid officer who is who is fielding your financial aid application uh, could see, wait a minute, they're saying this amount of assets that, and but their tax return says this, that does not really jive with one another. And yep. then that could beg a verification and further scrutiny, et cetera, and so forth. So, so that's the answer to the question. How, how easy is the FAFSA FAFSA incorrectly? Um, and it's very, it, it can be very easy to make mistakes on it. So right. You can also include things that shouldn't be included, et cetera. And that can count against you. Yeah. Um, Okay, college advisor and sassy person in general, Luann Lee, says, just listening for the jokes. Thank you for your support. Um, all right, let me just, uh, we're, we're almost done here with the pre-submitted questions. I want to just let people know that we are currently taking on, Pearl is currently taking on clients to help with uh, do, do, taking care of this whole thing for you, doing all the financial yeah. applications. Um because it's October, we have a coupon code to give you $150 off. Spectacular we, something or other? No. It's okay. October hyphen surprise. Okay. October dash surprise. As in, yeah, it's like a political thing. The October surprise with a dash in the middle. Got it? Did you put that in? Yep. Nice work. October hyphen surprise? Yes, good. Doesn't have to get October surprise. I can't read that. <laughs> um okay so jane is the parent age and how close they are to retirement considered that is built in to yeah. the efc calculation the calculation of the expected family contribution age is one of those factors and will having two in college at the same time is that considered currently yes, yes. slated apparently to no longer count but I am skeptical as to whether that will actually be the case when they change the rules, which will either be 23, 24, or one year after that. Right. So that's either next year or two years from now. Okay. Um, more income questions. 
Uh, why fill out the FAFSA if you're not going to qualify? Here's one. Anna, is there an advantage to applying early action when it comes to merit scholarships in, in comparison to applying a regular decision? I will answer that one with gusto and verve. <laughs> um, colleges want you to think that they're going to run out of money. They have all sorts of implicit and um, explicit uh, types of warnings, admonitions to get your forms in, but there's no statistical. Uh, if you look at the stats, it doesn't really help to apply early action and no one can tell you that it helps you get money. So um, I think you should do it just, just in the spirit of getting everything off your plate and over done with. Um, but um, I don't think it's going to help with either getting in or getting money. Okay. Tony Mangan. Hello, Tony. Tony Ian. Um, what happens if two of my children have different financial info? I fill one out and a wonderful service does the other. She's a client. Why do you let that wonderful service yeah. handle both? Yeah. That's the wrong okay. question, Tony. All right. Um, we'll talk. Uh, Lisa Salmani. Hello, Lisa. Um, what are the top colleges to give the most financial aid? Again, that that is, um, uh, I, I, you, I've, I've answered that before, but I just want to say it again. It's not the state universities. It's the colleges that have the most money, the largest endowments, generally the most prestigious, hardest to get into private colleges. Amy. That's a good question. Um, have you seen going Mary's FAFSA made easy form? If so, what do you think? Uh, no, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. Um, it's probably just a spreadsheet that helps you, you know, data input things. So <clears throat> I've seen stuff. I've seen stuff like that. Again, it's, re it's really more about understanding the rules, um, you know, behind it. Okay. It's like your tax return. It's probably mechanically easy to throw numbers in, right. but it, you're not, if you're not right, real sure about what numbers are supposed to be there. I heard a really good analogy, by the way. Um, I was, I was on a webinar listening to Cal Chaney, um, who's written a, a book that's been around for 20 something years. Uh, updated each year and um he said something like um it, it's it, it, if you're going to use the tax return analogy it's like filing a tax return when you but when you file to all these colleges if you fly to if you file to 12 to 15 colleges it's like you're you're filing taxes to 12 to 15 countries because <laughs> they're going to have all the different regulations and, that and rules that is and a that. great analogy yeah, yeah, that is like true that. Yeah. that is true they do it differently from one another <laughs> yeah. so that's the other thing when you're going through this process don't become alarmed when one school starts asking you for a ton of information related to financial aid and another school stays silent. It is not to be inferred from that, that the school that's silent isn't interested um, or necessarily that the school that's asking you for so much is. It is simply uh, different processes and that's it. Leave it there. All right, got a few more before we go to the recent questions. These are the pre-submitted questions that I am working through here. Um, question from Naomi, if you own rental property, what do you do? Well, make sure you have good tenants. Make sure the toilet's flush. Uh, those are assets that count against you in yes. the financial aid formulas. And in both, in both the FAFSA and the CSS profile, whereas I was saying earlier, your FAFSA does not uh, take your primary residence and count yep. that against you, but the but whereas your investment property does count against you on the FAFSA and the CSS profile. 
Um, you want to try to minimize the amount of equity that you show in that property. So that could be, you know, coming up with a low but re but realistic um, value, defensible, fair market value, yeah. right? It's got to be defensible. Um, sometimes people take out mortgages, higher mortgage balances to, to reduce the equity. And obviously, you've got to look at all the factors, not just the financial And the cost of making those choices. Exactly. Um, Deborah Levinson, is a trust fund in the student's name a student asset yes. if the parent is a trustee? Yes. Um, what if the child cannot touch the money until they're 28 years old? Um, yes. So, yes. Um, but I would appeal that. I would say, even though this is an asset that counts against us, the, rea the reality is we can't touch it. It's not, it's, not, it's not a resource we can use to pay for college. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> um, question from Ika. What is the FAFSA? FAFSA is the main federal financial aid form, free application for federal student aid. FAFSA, some people call it FASA or FASFA, and they have speech impediments. It's no, not. No, they are incorrect. Oh. But it is an acronym nonetheless, and it is an application that determines your eligibility for federal aid at the college. A level. lot of acronyms in this in this crazy world. <laughs> EFC, FAFSA, FSAID. Yes. I'll stop there. Um, Jay, do the CSS profile or individual schools ask for your bank statements when calculating an asset? So uh, in about 60% of cases, there can be what is called an income or an asset verification, meaning you submit your financial aid forms and some school, some financial aid office at some school you have submitted to um, either for no reason at all, because there is a random check or there is something in your application that gives rise to further questioning, whether it be on the asset side or the income side. Let me give you an example. Um, if you are saying you have X amount of assets on your financial aid forms and your tax return seems to indicate on the dividend interest line that you have a certain amount of dividend interest that would have sourced from a certain size asset that is different than what you are putting in your financial aid form. That is an example of where your income might, or your, I'm sorry, where your assets would be verified because it's not matching up with what you what your income tax said as to what assets you had. So then in that case, and I've seen it and we've had to provide it in scenarios, we, the school is going to specifically ask for what it wants to satisfy it on that subject. So yes, in that scenario, they can ask for mortgage statements, current mortgage statements as to value of property. They could ask for bank statements, um, stock statements, anything, you know, that is, that is at the time Crypto. of the filing. Uh, it can ask for anything it wants as long as you're asking for money. But that's, yes, the answer is under all scenarios, no. But under some scenarios, sometimes, yes. When you file, the answer is no. But, right. but after you file, they may ask for it. Okay. This is an interesting question, but I think it's um, it's it's timely. From Michelle Lippman, with a very recent name chain, is it okay to use the new name of the students, or will that cause problems? Okay, so I would not change it. 
on the FAFSA, yes. unless unless other stuff it, has changed. Right. He, here is when your FSA ID, one's every, okay, so the FSA ID is similar to a social security number. Every individual has their own individual FSA ID, username and password. Well, you have to get it. Though. And you obtain it in the first place because it is linked to one's legal name spelling on a, on a tax return, their social security number and their date of birth. When one applies Wait, and student gets one and one of the parents must get one. Yes. In order to complete True. and file electronic. Yes. Your Another FAFSA. acronym. So this is not True. FAFSA. This is the FSA ID, which you sign the FAFSA with. Correct. That FSA ID that matches the name that is on the legal birth, you know, birth certificate, tax return, the social security number and the birth date. Those three things are going to be verified with the social security administration when one applies for their FSA ID. If it doesn't match, it will fail and won't be able to be used. It's going to have to match what is actually legally there. So when you are then applying and putting this information in your financial aid forms, if it doesn't match again, because you've put a different num a name that doesn't match the one you obtained the FSA ID with, you're going to have a problem once again, and it is going to cause uh, a ripple effect of confusion and problems potentially for the students, which is unwanted. If at some point there the student has changed um, the student's name, then then that student uh, there is certainly place I know in the common app you know the likes to be known as et cetera and so forth, um, and or can certainly uh, do so legally so that it can take legal effect so that you don't have to have this confusion. But I wouldn't recommend it um, just because it can come back and bite the student in the proverbial you know what yeah we call that a cluster fafsa <laughs> yeah yeah so um, that's what we call it yeah, any 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 new wrinkles that you introduce are, are are possibly going to cause severe pain and frustration because dealing with financial aid the department of education fafsa support whatever sometimes you you're, you get lucky and you have someone who's competent other times it's like going to dmv so yeah, uh, calling you know, your insurance company. Yeah, uh, that kind of fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. like a root canal. Yeah. Um, all right. Those are the, I'm done with the pre-submitted questions right. that I wanted to answer. So do you so, want to um, take a stab at the other yeah, ones? Just, sure. Yeah. So how do we pull those up neatly for us to well, view? No. Just you, go right. Yeah. You're in charge of that. All right. I don't know. Oh, I am. No, but. All right. Um, how do we do it by the. We should do it this way in order of appearance. Okay. Do you want me to read the questions and then we can yeah, uh, you decide who yeah. answers? You All right. Me. Question from Lawrence. I have a junior at a university now and a high school senior. Do I file two FAFSAs or do I do one per kid? Uh, the answer is each student. Wait, isn't that both two? Hmm? Two FAFSAs or one per kid? Is that yes, a trick question? The answer is yes. Yes, on both. <laughs> you file one FAFSA per student. So if you have two kids in college at the same time, you will be filing two different FAFSAs, one for each. That was that was like a, like an SAT question trying to trick us. Okay, uh, same two same students Lawrence. are traveling in trains in opposite directions. Okay, one going at a rate of yes. okay. My daughter wants to do early decision at Columbia. I'm a bit scared about the price tag. What if they say I can afford it, but it's a stretch? Can we back out, Andy? Um, the answer is you won't hear this from your guidance counselor because they are afraid of this scenario. Different agendas. But, 
helping. <laughs> Not so helpful. <laughs> but, but, but um, isn't she cute, ladies and gentlemen? All right. <laughs> uh, so the the actual early decision agreement has a it's not even buried in fine print so it's a line right there that says in in effect if you apply your decision and we admit you you're coming unless you decide that the financial aid award is not adequate who decides so so you decide (laughs) helping so um so you actually can get out without any repercussions no one can force anyone to pay full price for college um, in practice, you know, when you get your, especially with kids, when they work so hard and they get their applications in and they, you know, all the essays and all the test prep and all that junk, and then they finally get back uh, the word they got into the dream school, pretty unlikely that you're going to back out because of emotional reasons. Um, but you can't legally. Yeah. It's not a contract because kids can't sign contracts. That they're not the age of majority. Um, the, the reason you'll never hear from your guidance counselor is because they don't want to taint next year's crop of kids who might apply to Columbia. Yep. Which is kind of silly, but you know, I'm not a guidance counselor. But what, it's something you got to know. Yeah. Uh, Rena, can I just start the form October 1st and finish it later? Yes, you can do that. Uh, Smart. Yep. Sure. Um, Ayanka, if you have to file both the FAFSA and the profile in order to keep the asset value the same and eliminate confusion, do you file both forms on the same day or close together? And can I file financial aid forms before college applications are actually submitted? Great question. Uh, the first question, the answer is yes. I do recommend filing the CSS and the FAFSA on or about the same day because those two forms should be consistent with one another. Um, and can you file the financial aid forms before the college applications? Yes. Make sure they're two separate animals. Financial aid forms must adhere to the financial aid application deadlines. You can file those immediately. And if they never match up with an application for admission, it will simply purge. No harm, foul, no harm, no foul. Um, but this way you preserve your uh, ability to seek aid at that school. Anyway, okay. Um, By the way, if you later decide to apply to other colleges for admission, you will also need to submit the FAFSA and the CSS profile to those colleges. They don't, they don't automatically get them. Little important tip, which I know chances are at least one person on this on this call would mess that up. So now you won't. Um, okay. Bernadette, this sounds like a very specific question, but I will ask it. You can be the judge. Hi, my mom has claimed my niece, but we are both guardians. I was added so she could attend school, attend a bedded school. Do I have to include my financials? Mine are complicated because I'm in the process of a divorce. Uh, sounds very specific. Aren't, I, aren't guardians included? Yes. Yes. Short answer is yes, but um, that's, that's something you'd appeal. Linda, my child is a freshman now, and we got a good financial aid package. Can we expect the same, same one for the next year if the FAFSA info is basically the same? In most cases, yes. Um, some schools have a little nasty habit of pulling money away. So uh, it really depends on the school. Some have a reputation for doing so. Most do not. So I would hope that it would be roughly the same. And if it's not, you appeal it. Evie, what if my senior wants to apply to more than 10 schools? Should I leave the state schools off the FAFSA since they don't have merit aid? Okay. Um, my guess is you've 
tinkered around with the FAFSA itself because when you apply, you probably notice that you cannot add more than 10 schools at a time to the FAFSA. That doesn't mean that you are limited to only applying to 10 schools, period. So no, any schools that you are, so I'll just explain what you do. Um, any schools that you are applying for admission to, you should absolutely make sure to submit the financial aid forms. If you are applying to more than 10 schools, then what you need to do is submit to the first 10 schools in order of priority financial aid deadline. And then once those initial schools have completed processing, you're going to go back into your already filed FAFSA and submit to your additional schools. You have to remove your old schools and add the new schools. A lot of moving parts, but that's how you accomplish that. You don't just not apply to certain schools. Nice. Um, Joe, how do you find a school that wants my child? <laughs> um, most schools uh, are pretty easy to get into. So it's, it's, um, it's, not, it's not like you have to stumble uh, across them. Um, but you've got to do some research to figure out, you know, what, what types of uh, kids those schools are looking for, not just their academic profile, but that's certainly important. But there's only about um, 90 colleges in the country that accept 50% or less uh, students, and there's about 4,000 total colleges. So the vast majority are, are very easy to get into. So it's not, gonna be, it's not really hard to do that. The bigger question is how do you find a school that's right for you? And that's a whole other discussion. We have a whole methodology for that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Rena, what are a few legal examples of ways to shelter savings? Although I think we've touched this. Well, we didn't do the illegal ones. She wants the legal ones? Knock it off. Yeah. The, the most common are insurance products and annuities, um, but there, there are others. But those are the, mo the two most common products. Barb Not right for everyone. I, I'm like twitching if I don't say that. Barbara, uh, didn't didn't see what we should be getting off Amazon. Can you put it in the chat? Um, sure, Babs. How to negotiate your crappy financial aid and merit aid offer. Okay. This is, it's massive. Um, and just, just search Andy Lockwood on Amazon. Right. Lawrence, my son is a junior. His dad had the 529. Um, I am the one filling, filing the FAFSA because we are divorced. What do I tell about the 529? I am so confused. Yeah. Um, that would not go on the FAFSA. Nope. It would not. Yeah. Because neither would a grandparent, by the way. Right. If the grandparent or the ex owns the 529. But if you, if you owned it, then it would. Yeah. If you, the custodial parent owned it, it would because you don't, then no, it stays off the FAFSA. Um, That's the short answer in the. Yes. Uh, we're, at, we're at the top of the hour here, so okay. we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Lawrence, when does early decision get decided? It, it varies based on the school. You got to look up your own school's deadlines. Yeah, December um, 1 or December 15th are the right. two most popular. Right. Evie, uh, but no way to reconcile before financial information gets to the schools. You mean different information? Um, Different information, meaning if your financial circumstances are different now than they were in 2020. Uh, on schools that accept the CSS profile, there is a special circumstances section where you can include uh, such an explanation at a that short. time. Short. Don't go right. Don't plead your whole case there. Well, give them an idea. Most of the time, it's just ignored, and you're going to appeal it. So, anyway. don't, so don't expect them to give that much weight. Right. Um, 
Wendy, oh, I assume it's Wendy. Uh, so wait until your kid is admitted and we get the package and then appeal to the college directly. Yes. Kara, what if one parent has been unemployed for the past six months? That is a special circumstances that would be considered. Yes. Yeah. And on the FAFSA, if you were currently unemployed, you would indicate that you are a dislocated worker. <clears throat> Jay, do you have to submit bank statements for the CSS to individual colleges at the time of filing? We've already answered that. The answer is no. Linda, for FAFSA, what are non-reportable assets other than retirement assets, annuities, and value of home? Any type of trust or non-reportable assets? Life insurance yeah. is another one. Uh, what if I'm in the middle of a divorce? Then you would be separated. Um, and that status on is how you would go in as the uh, on the FAFSA and on the CSS profile. And if you are the custodial parent, only your information would be provided. So that's, that's the answer on that one. Um, <clears throat> Anna, do children's savings bonds count against you? Yes, they count against the child, student. Evie, how would you report tuition for a younger special needs sibling in a private therapeutic high school? If it's not college tuition, do they consider it? Again, yes, on not on the FAFSA, but yes, that also would go in a special circumstances explanation. In fact, there are check boxes above that special circumstances writing section that have boxes you can check, one of which includes exceptional medical expenses, um, private schools, that's another one, loss of income, loss of employment, job employment, non-recurring income, plenty of different so, options. COVID is another one. So so we know and financial aid officers know how expensive those uh, those institutions are. And the, these yes. financial aid, when you, when you look at it from the 30,000 foot view, these financial aid applications are all about your resources or your, your ability to pay for college. So if something detracts you know, or, or sucks resources away from, from paying for college, like a therapeutic boarding school, which is like paying for college, yeah. basically, um, that, that's going to be considered either by the forms or definitely on appeal. Yeah. To Shari, how would you know if you qualify for need-based aid before filing? Well, each school, each school's site has um, its own net price calculator on it, which uh, bears in mind their how, how they figure out your financial aid, but it'll ask you a bunch of questions about your income, your assets, number of kids, et cetera, and so forth. And it will give you a loose understanding of uh, what it might cost for you to send your kid to school there. So just to chime Any in. Question? Yeah. Um, they're not all the same. Yeah. Some ask more questions than others, uh, but I would do, I would still do that. And then if they give you an estimate, that's fairly good. And then when you get the real award several months later, it's not, it doesn't resemble the estimate. That's a source of appeal also. It's, it's also, they're going to say it's garbage in, garbage out. We don't promise anything, blah, blah, blah. But that's, it's, that's a very common scenario. Julie, if you include on the application that you do not need aid, do you still complete the CSS and FAFSA? I was confused about the response. So let me, let me do that one. Okay. I, I think I messed that one up. <clears throat> I would say on the common app, no, I don't want money. And then I would still submit the financial aid applications, period. Because it helps you show financial strength, it will help you for admission. It also may trigger merit analysis. Okay. Um, and just, okay, my Michelle Lippman and just do the CSS. No, I wasn't suggesting that you, 
she's she's asking, should I really not do the FAFSA tomorrow? Um, I'm just saying, like, wait a couple days because there there really is no advantage to filing it tomorrow, October 1st, versus next week, October 7th. Happy anniversary. Um, because what? because just in, in the event that there's just a day or two of computer glitchy stuff. Um, Sometimes it's it, more than a day or two, by it, the way. It, yeah. I personally like to wait till the second week. Um, there is no advantage to doing it in October, the first week versus the third week. It is all well before any deadline. And they're not going to look at it really a minute before they're ready to look at it anyhow. I'd rather it just be a well-oiled working machine by the time I file my forms. So, oh, but she's the same way too. She would want to do it October first because she's, she's that neurotic, right? But she but I've watched it, it could be what's okay. happened could be okay. in years past right. with these funny like rollouts. Yeah. Um, we live in an imperfect system, folks. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed. She hates that. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but she never mentioned. Uh, I would recommend <coughs> that you do the FAFs and the CSS. File them at the same time. Maintain their consistency between them. Um, Linda, are any type of trusts, special needs, etc., a non-reportable asset on the FAFSA? No, they're all reported. Mm -hmm. But explainable. Susan, I heard current students are getting additional FAFSA COVID money. Have you heard about this? Um, last year there Waiting. was, yeah, I don't think this year is going to happen, but no. last year there was a couple reductions, right? Thousand bucks here and there. Yep. Uh, Barbara, does participating in the financial aid warrior cover filing all for all four years or just the first year? Um, the way it's structured is there's an initial deposit and then a monthly support membership that you can cancel at any time. But anyone who stays in that monthly membership then has as long as they want every uh, every other year's worth of forms filed forms because and loan uh, with, with, and, right. yeah and support yeah without um having Healing. to do the twenty five hundred dollar upfront deposit um, um and there's a coupon code here too october hyphen surprise october dash surprise meg uh some schools merit scholarship deadlines are the ea deadline yes that's right but what i was suggesting is the application for admission deadline is different from the financial aid yeah. deadline and or yeah. merit there's, there's other deadlines too yeah. yeah you're right um susan can you tell another school how much money another school offered to see if they match do that every year sure do. all the time yeah and it works a lot not all i don't have a magic wand but it works a lot of times hugo i have a sole proprietorship llc do I have to include my business bank balances in the FAFSA and CSS profile? No. No business value only, and that's usually zero. There and on the well, on the CSS profile, there will be other questions asked about your businesses that you actively participate in, but the bank balances of your business or farm are not included. But they may ask for a business supplement, which will include a balance sheet. So that'll have all of your assets in the business right. at, at one point at year end. Yes, but the assets of your business are not something that should be considered as a resource to pay for college, not proper. Uh, Luciana, does the financial aid, including merit, uh, is informed at the same time of acceptance or could come in later? So... 
typically what happens is in the admissions letter, if it is a school that has merit money to award, there is often a sentence or two about an upcoming merit award it intends to give you. It'll often say something like, congratulations, welcome to such and such university. We are pleased to award you the blah, blah, blah. Presidential Merit Award, which is $15,000 each year for a total of $60,000 a year of merit money. So that would be where they're sort of giving you the heads up about the merit money they are offering you. And then subsequently, you will also get a financial aid package that will include that merit award that's offered on a line item in with other financial aid awards that are all listed that cobble together, which include loans, cobble together to be your financial aid package and equal the cost of attendance. But that comes after your admissions letter, which will include the merit award, likely if you're at a school that has it. But sometimes it doesn't. Because why? Because it's like different countries, as Andy was saying before, all schools have different processes. Okay. A lot of times the need-based award is weeks after. Um, uh, Akemi, Akimi, if we can pay all in cash, we don't need FAFSA, right? No, you don't need to, but you may want to demonstrate your financial strength. That's right. Because you're signaling them, even though it's used for one purpose, you are signaling them about a different purpose. You might be more likely to get merit aid also. Longer discussion. Yeah. Not for tonight. We're wrapping up. Anju. Anju. Uh, do they factor in monies in brokerage accounts or retirement accounts? Brokerage accounts, yes. Retirement retirement accounts, no. Although they ask you for your retirement totals on the CSS profile, but we have not really in practice see them uh, count it against you in a penalty. Anna, do colleges expect you to use your retirement accounts to pay, and can you appeal that? The answer is they don't. And so they don't. So there's nothing really to appeal. Um, are annuities exempt? Uh, yes, on the FAFSA entirely. On the CSS profile, partially. Retirement annuities or qualified annuities, those are uh, same same thing, different terms. Uh, those are exempt. Non-qualified, non-retirement annuities are not exempt. Next question. Okay. Um, well, that's all I have here, but okay. I see there are some here. No, there was, no, 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 no. I do it's, see what other. It's the same. No, no, no. There's one more. Okay. So how do I Last know? Last call. How do I know if the 10 schools have processed? How can I? Okay. So if you try to well, go back into your BAPS. Not, not everyone understands the question. Oh, sorry. How do I know when the 10 schools I file FAFSA. the FAFSA to have processed so that I can add additional schools? Okay. Thank it you. takes about one to three days after one f- submits the FAFSA for uh, those initial 10 schools to complete processing. If you log in prior to the time that it says completed processing, it will say still processing. Uh, you're not going to be able to do anything to it. And you're going to say, oh, my God, I can't do it. I can't add them. Um, literally, you just, literally what she said. <laughs> Well, you might panic because you're going to say, like, I can't get it. It's not working. It's, it's like, it's like uh, Lucille Ball on the, on the, uh, <laughs> the chocolate line, the, the, the chocolate yeah. assembly line. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, sh- uh, you just need to wait 
if it's not a day, if it's not three, eventually it will say six, you know, completed processing. And then you can go back in. It'll, you can say view submission history. And then you'd have to say, actually, uh, make FAFSA corrections. Even though you're just adding schools, uh, the Department of Education, in its infinite wisdom, likes to call your additional schools uh, adding uh, a correction as if there was some implicit mistake in the fact that they don't allow you to add more than 10 schools at a time. But any, and do not be alarmed when you submit that next batch of schools, the confirmation that you will receive will say a correction has been made to your FAFSA, which is possibly going to make the reader think, what did I do wrong? <laughs> do I have to fix something? They're shaming me. Anyway, that's how you do it. All right. Anything else? Uh, we wrap up here? Yeah. Any other questions? Well, there, there's... Okay. And yeah, we look good. You look great. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, spending time with us. I know you had other things to do, potentially conflicting, and I gave this uh, last-minute sort of notice. So uh, it was great that we had um, 70 or 80 people show up. Uh, if you need us for anything, you, you can see the resource that we posted right here if you want help with your financial aid applications. Uh, and, you know, thanks. Thanks for spreading the word. And, uh, Pearl, any closing comments? Should everyone be panicking tomorrow? Don't panic. Uh, Don't take a breath. Uh, if it's nice out, go go enjoy the beautiful weather tomorrow. Don't don't do the FAFSA tomorrow. It's not necessary. So we're playing golf. Is that what you call it? <laughs> we're playing golf tomorrow, and then we have a firm dinner. I know. So we have a full day tomorrow. Yes. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our inner circle group coaching membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits. Check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at LockwoodInnerCircle.com and use the coupon code podcast for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.